Welcome to the ICO Alert podcast. I'm your host, Mike Finch, COO and co-founder of ICO Alert. ICO Alert is the only trusted, comprehensive source for all the ICOs, STOs, and airdrops available for discovery today. It's our goal at ICO Alert and on this podcast to bring you the most accurate, objective information about the ICO industry and all of the various details that go into it. You can check us out at icoalert.com or read more on our blog at blog.icoalert.com. It's also important to note that nothing in this podcast should be considered investment advice. This podcast is solely informational and cryptocurrency investors should do their own detailed research before investing. My guests today were Tracy Leparulo and Juan Hernandez. Tracy's the CMO of Polymath, as well as a CEO and founder of Untraceable, which is an awesome top-tier marketing and event management agency that's based out of Toronto. They've done some fantastic things, setting up events in the cryptocurrency industry. Uh, done that for Polymath as well, and it's been wildly successful. Juan is the CEO of Open Finance Network, also referred to as OFN on the podcast. Uh, OFN is a US-based regulated security token trading platform. We talk all things security tokens, OFN, Polymath, and hopefully paint a picture for you guys of the burgeoning STO ecosystem. Uh, There's certainly a lot of unanswered questions surrounding the STO market, but we're fortunate enough to have two leaders like this in the space working hard to bring STOs to the mainstream. I think it's still a little while out and you'll kind of see the timelines that they present, some of the problems they present, uh, but I think solutions are on the way as well. It'll be interesting to see what STOs uh, do over the next months and years, and hopefully this gives you some perspective into into this burgeoning new ecosystem. Enjoy. Tracy, Juan, how are we? Really appreciate the time here on the podcast. First thing we usually do is have you guys introduce yourselves. Tell us a little bit about your background, uh, how you got into cryptocurrency, all that fun stuff. So uh, Tracy, if you want to start. Yeah, sure. So my name's Tracy Leparulo. I am a CEO of a company called Untraceable, as well as helped lead Polymath uh, Network to where it is today. A uh, bit about ba- a background about me, I got involved in really the innovation space down here in Toronto. I went to Kenya, started a microfinance program back in 2012 and got really excited about the agency space. Uh, from there, I actually ran the first Bitcoin Expo in Canada and the first Ethereum hackathon event in the world with the original Ethereum team. That's actually where I'm oh, wow. Trevor Caverco. Uh, we actually ran the hackathon together, funny enough. So he worked with me and uh, was my volunteer at the time. And from there, I've been running all, a lot of these major uh, Ethereum hackathons, massive crypto events, um, which we have one coming up this August called Futures Conference. And it's really propelled me into working with Polymath and helping them start really from a company, just a handful of people to now a company of over 30 and uh, it's been very exciting entering the security token world now. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's wild. It's uh, it's always interesting to hear kind of how people get into this. Um, I got to ask, you know, it sounds like you're setting up these big events. Everybody always kind of gives us crap in the cryptocurrency industry because so many of the events aren't set up well. Um, what is it that you guys do so well? Because we were down uh, at Polycon, I think it was in the in the Bahamas, some of us, and that that uh, whole setup was incredible. So Thanks. teach teach us, how do we run a, uh, you know, a well-done cryptocurrency event? For sure. Well, one, it comes with experience with events. So before I ran Untraceable, I ran Traceable events. Uh, so I have an event background. But really, it's understanding the objectives. I think the cryptocurrency community is quite different from, you know, quote-unquote, the normal world. And so having, mm. making sure you're fostering conversations, 
making sure the topics are relevant, making sure the right people are in the room, uh, whether it's investors, uh, if you're looking for advisors, or maybe you know an ICO demo, uh, just making sure the audience is really aligned with what the objectives are and that the sponsors and attendees are getting what they want out of it. So I love Polycom. Right. Very happy you're able to come out to it. Uh, <laughs> it. It was quite a fun experience there in Bahamas. Yeah, that that Baja Mar hotel casino thing was just unbelievable. Uh, anybody anybody looking for a good time, go to Polycon next year, assuming it's it's happening because it that be. was a lot of fun. <laughs> nice, nice. So, um, tell us, you know, give us kind of the broad overview of Polymath for those who who don't know. Um, you know, what does the company do? What's its mission as it relates to security tokens? Sure. So, Polymath's mi mission is quite simple. It may, uh, Polymath makes it easy for businesses to create security tokens. And so the best way to think about Polymass is to think of us more as a launch pad. Uh, so we'll actually help you with the creation of security tokens. When it comes down to secondary markets or all these other third-party services, uh, we work with partners like Open Finance, um, but we really are the help with the creation of the security token. Gotcha. Yeah, definitely want to get into that. Heard some really great things about um, you know that that launch pad, as you said. Uh, but first, Juan, tell us a little bit about your background, how you got into cryptocurrency and, and what OFN is doing. Sure, sure. Uh, and, and thanks for having me uh, on the podcast. Um, yep, my name is Juan Hernandez, I'm the CEO of the Open Finance Network. Uh, we are a security token trading platform. So we trade security tokens uh, like the Polymath uh, tokens um, um, that, that their clients launch with. So we've been in the alternative asset space for, for, for a long time, actually. We've been in it since mid-2014. Um, we got our start shortly after the Jobs Act passed in 2012, which really opened a door to you know, the precursor to all this ICO stuff, which was uh, crowdfunding, just traditional, mm -hmm. um, regular old crowdfunding. Prior to that, uh, I mean, I've been involved in the financial markets community for, for quite a while. I have uh, have a computer science background from Northwestern University, built virtual financial exchanges, I've done a bit of algo trading, so, and, and worked in um, uh, IT security as well. So I've um, been involved within the general technology sector and startup space for some time. But for us, where we got started, where we kind of ended up on this uh, on this cryptocurrency train, if you will, was was in mid-2014, shortly after the Jobs Act passed. We saw a big opportunity with, with these new crowdfunded assets that were hitting the market um, to, to really address a problem at, at the time, um, which was the issue of liquidity, right? How do you bet all these new investors, these retail investors participating in these new investment offerings? And how do you help them find liquidity, right? What happens after you buy right. these assets? Where do you, where can you sell them? Where can you trade with others? And so that's a problem we set about to solve. Um, you know, in, in, towards the end of 2016, we started exploring blockchain um, for clearing and settlement purposes on our platform. And so very similar to, you know, virtually all other financial exchanges in the world, you know, like NASDAQ, the Luxembourg Stock Exchange, the Australian Stock Exchange, we, we started exploring uh, um, blockchain and conducting pilots in the clearing and settlement space. And that uh, brought us to, you know, 2017 when we saw the explosion in ICOs um, and, and we started noting the the, the rise of, of the security tokens um, and, and, and some of the early adopters to that, like Blockchain Capital, um, Science, Protos, Spice VC, we started seeing this swell of opportunity uh, come up there. 
And and now in 2018, certainly, um, you know, with, with our uh, launch just just a week or two ago uh, of our uh, um, you know fully U.S. regulated security token trading platform, you know, we see tremendous opportunity in the security token space and, and just a lot of excitement, a lot of real excitement in in um, what is now possible in the market. Yeah, 100. It's uh, it's certainly kind of dominated 2018. Other than this. 60, 70, 80% market dip, which is on everybody's <laughs> mind, of course. But other than that, it's been it's been security tokens, right? The, the different protocols and, you know, it kind of been somewhat of a hype driver this year. So I, I got to ask you, Juan, the, the exchange is launched. Can can people go there now and, and trade on the exchange just like they would a, a Coinbase or Kraken or anything else? Yep, that, that's the, yes, that, that's how it's set up. So, so we're, we're live now. We're, um, we have investors onboarding onto the platform today. Um, you know, obviously nice. we have to conduct, you know, AML, KYC checks, um, verify accreditation for, for certain tokens. And then uh, we've got a number of, of uh, partner tokens who are uh, ramping up right now and getting ready to list. Um, so I mentioned some of their names um, earlier, um, Blockchain Capital, uh, Spice VC, Science, um, are some of the first tokens coming to market. And so, um, you know, obviously pioneers uh, um, to, to a larger uh, a wave of security tokens uh, coming to market soon. Gotcha. So is that is that launch primarily the, the biggest milestone in 2018? Or do you guys have some other uh, announcements coming? What's the roadmap <laughs> we, look like? We've got some, it's our biggest uh, milestone to date, uh, year to date. So so we've got some other announcements coming in the fall um, along, you know, some of the technology developments, others, uh, partnerships uh, that we've been working on for, for quite some time, uh, both here in the U.S. and international, because certainly there's a lot of interest from international investors to participate in these U.S. security tokens. Gotcha. Nice. Well, congratulations on that launch. That's fantastic. I can't wait to check it out. Tracy, I want to kick it back over to you here. So we are, you know, ICO alert. We've we started focusing on ICOs, but as the market has matured, we've started to pay attention to security tokens and you have airdrops and then you have these crazy kind of hybrids where somebody will run a, a security token offering to start and then they'll run an ICO thereafter. And it's just, it's, it's wild right now, right? A lot of regulatory uncertainty. Um, but give us a glimpse into kind of this ecosystem for security tokens, right? Like inherently, Polymath works with open finance and vice versa. And that collaboration is what it takes to uh, to ensure security tokens are, are brought mainstream. But what are some other things that you guys are seeing from the standpoint that Polymath is in as one of the major players in this ecosystem? Sure, I, I think uh, I think you said it right in the sense that the space right now really is focused on collaboration. We realize it's a lot easier, much better if we work together to push security tokens um, as a team. And so I find in the space right now there are a lot of different people more focusing on a specific aspect of security tokens, not really taking on you know end to end, and a lot of great collaboration happening in the space, and that's really nice to see. Uh, next week, for example, we're going down to Barbados. We have a uh, ST twenty roundtable. It's really focused on how do we create a standard for security tokens. And we're bringing lots of different players from around the space from, you know, open finance will be there as well as individuals from other security token exchanges. We have legal professionals. We have individuals like a lot of developers that will be there. And so it really is a space that everyone's coming together to create a standard, which I think is really needed right now in the space, just similar to what the ERC 20 standard did uh, for Ethereum. Um, and so collaboration really, I think, is at the forefront right now in the community and in the space. And, and you can tell even, you know, on the event side, when we have 
panels and we're bringing people together very very rarely people say i don't want to be speaking with them or i don't want to be aligned with them it's, it's usually the complete opposite they're looking for who they can work with and who they have synergies with and, and how they can showcase their products together gotcha so a lot of collaboration going on you know ecosystem still kind of in early stages would you say absolutely definitely in the early stages i think it's hard to predict kind of you know which angle you know who the who the really really big players are um but you know with collaboration it's uh you can see the big players becoming stronger i would agree with that yeah i think it's still early days and, and there's so much infrastructure that still needs to be built right from 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 standardization of certain protocols um to to the just rules and procedures is that you know we just need clarification on um, um you know it's from regulators and, and and how things are implemented so very much early days a lot of infrastructure still being built but but a lot of collaboration on on building that infrastructure because i think it, it there's recognition that in order for the industry to really get to that uh, level that we all anticipated it'll get to that, that we need to work together in order to really support each other's efforts and grow out the broader ecosystem what is the end goal with security tokens as as you see it Juan? you know to, to me it, it's Today, there's a novelty in doing, you know, either an ICO or an STO or whatever you want to call it. Right? Is it the novelty of raising capital on chain? Um, it's a novelty today, but to me, as soon as you know, in, in three years' time, it, this is just how you raise capital. This is just how you manage books and records. Mm -hmm. It's just so much more efficient and so much. Uh, better suited for this type of activity than what's out there today. So that to me, that's just a starting point that, that you know, I, I take that as an assumption that in three years time, this is how everyone will be um, um, performing these types of activities. And then when you start thinking about if that's your new base, what what else can you build on top of that? What other sort of really interesting um, investment opportunities, for example, how, how else can you structure securities um, leveraging this new technology? So to me, that, that, that's, a, that's a wider end game, if you will, um, just a real um, flourishment of innovation within, within mm -hmm. investment uh, and within financial markets. So, okay, I'm, and it sounds like I got my next question answered, which was time frame. <laughs> so three years from now, Juan promises security yeah. tokens are, yeah. yeah. That's, <laughs> mark my words, yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Everybody's um, doing that these days, so yeah. uh, we'll, we won't hold you to it. But um, so, yeah, a follow-up question to that, Juan, is that I, I talked to some folks who uh, maybe they're in like a, the fun space, right? And they, a lot of them see security tokens as, you know, being the best route for traditional companies companies to come in and, and kind of tokenize their equity. It steadily improves the the current financial, the current exchange process. And then, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but along the lines of innovation, do you also see security tokens being present in more of like a startup realm as well, where, you know, brand new ideas, brand new concepts can come out, they can run a security token um, and raise money that way. Yeah, absolutely. I think both of those scenarios seem, you know, well suited for, for security tokens as they are today, to be quite honest. I mean, certainly there's still a lot more infrastructure that needs to be built, but we're already seeing, you know, private equity firms and venture capital firms start to adopt it for, for their either their current funds or upcoming funds. And and certainly, um, you know, a lot of STOs are basically new companies with, with an innovative idea and, and they go to market and, and raise capital that way. Um, so, so 
Those are really just some of the examples. The challenge I would put to the industry is to kind of think beyond that, right? Because it does are both those examples are still very much just analogs of how we raise capital today, right? You put together a, you know, a fund and you go and find out piece for it, or you start, a, you know, a company and you put, mm-hmm. and it's a very traditional model, if you will, in terms of how the investors get benefit from from that offering. I think where where we're hoping the industry goes is to more of an innovative structure uh, where, for example, you know the 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 model I like to um, the story I like to use here is, you know, imagine if you could invest in a college student, right? You can invest and effectively pull together capital to pay for that college student's tuition, and then for the first ten years of that college student's um, career. Um, the investors get a portion of that person's income. So something like that, right? It's, it's, it's oh, certainly yeah. there's a lot of uh, details that need to be worked out still, but just thinking about things like that, right? That could be, that. that's an investment opportunity that that could be well-suited for certain individuals. And and that and that really just kind of forces you to think, you know, rethink the, the dynamic of how uh, um, these investment instruments are, are, are structured today. Gotcha. Tracy, I want to kick it back over to you. Um, you know, similar question, but with the context of the ICO market and how that blew up, right? So my brother and I, we saw ICOs blown up at the you know middle to end of 2016. That's when we started to get interested. ICO alert comes around early 2017, and then the market just goes crazy, right? Like we listed almost 2,000 ICOs last year, you know, crazy market caps, crazy valuations. But what we really saw, I think if you look deeper, is this new fundraising model with very little rules and regs, right? Anybody could go and they could start an ICO, assuming they, you know, had a, a handful of prerequisites, Right. So there's pros and cons to that. You get good actors, but you also get a lot of bad actors too. the innovation versus the kind of traditional token, you know, tokenization of equity, I guess you would call it with, with larger companies. I guess the, the struggle that I see for STOs to to, to kind of get going in any time soon is that there are so many different things that need to happen, right? There are so many different rules and regs that are in place. You know, custody is a big issue. There are all kinds of different things that have to happen that I think will through collaboration and a lot of the things you guys are doing. But that that would be my biggest concern is that there are too many things kind of holding down some of the, the innovation when it comes to security tokens that ICOs weren't, at least at first, you know, kind of, uh, th- there was no need for them to do that, right? It was it's, it's kind of the wild, wild west and still is in a way. So what's what's your opinion on this? What Where do you see the end goal? Where does Polymath see the end goal for security tokens? Sure, I think... There definitely was obviously a huge boom with the ICOs. It was It's a great way to fundraise for your company. I do think there are, of course, a lot of regulatory uncertainty in the space, but I actually think in a lot of ways it can help security tokens. And so I think, you know, at the beginning, there's a lot of people who are unsure about the future of it. And when I think about right. being back in the day, even, you know, when, when Bitcoin was, was really big years and years ago, there was still so much uncertainty but it was just so resilient and because people were able to work together were able to overcome and so i don't i don't necessarily see that as a big factor of not pushing security tokens forward i think for a company like polymath it actually works in our favor because we're 
making it compliant and regulatory. And so part of the platform is to help make people feel more confident and make it easier to issue regulatory compliant tokens. So you have to do A, B, and C in order to be compliant, and we help you do that. So we actually think, you know, the regulatory landscape, of course, every time there's an announcement, we see the price go a bit different in terms of, you know, the whole crypto space. Uh, these announcements, right. you know, change everything. And it will be like that for, for the next little while. I don't think it'll be like that as long as we think it is. I think the space goes moves quite quickly. But I think in a lot of ways, it's actually going to shift the market from ICOs to, to, to security tokens because people want to inherently not have that risk of are they doing something that they shouldn't be doing. Let's do it in a regulatory way. Um, and let's use companies that are doing it that way. So I actually think... In a lot of ways, it's uh, it's helping the security token market, the companies within it, because they are following the rules and working within the guidelines. Right. Could that? So let's say then uh, regulation comes out in favor of, you know, the growth of cryptocurrencies and, and ICOs. Do you think security tokens would be at risk, or do they present something different? And will the ecosystem kind of be up and running by the time that happens? I mean, we keep hearing about regulation, but. All we seem to get are kind of like informal chats at conferences. Yeah, I, I, I think the space is large enough for all everybody. I think there are very inherent differences between a security token and someone who's running an ICO, and I think there's space for both of them. Uh, but truthfully, I think the future will be pivoting more to uh, the security tokens. And I think that I think a lot of it will shift towards that because uh, companies want to be regulatory. They want to be compliant. And until news comes out, about exactly what that means. I think slowly people will definitely move towards a security token. Gotcha. Juan, what do you think? Is there is there room for ICOs, STOs, airdrops, or or do you see one kind of, you know, taking a foothold and, and being the main place where money's raised? Yeah, I mean, obviously I see, I see STOs as sort of becoming that, that de facto choice. The thing I, I think that, that scares a lot of people off, right, the, the R word, regulation. Um, it, you know, really regulation's not, it's not meant to be onerous and it's not meant to be restrictive or, or, or you know, innovation killing. Um, I mean, and regulation is really about investor protection, at least in this scenario, right? It's about consumer protection, really. Um, you know, when, when people, um, when people drive home, they're driving in a car that was built to a regulatory specification, right? On, on rules that are built to, you know, again, regulatory specifications, they fly on a plane, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, regulation just has a very bad rap in the in financial mm -hmm. markets. Um, but, you know, the STO model certainly relies on, on on current rules and registrations that that are existing today in the form of the crowdfunding rules right to go back to that it is sort of our genesis uh, back in the uh, you know, the jobs act in the early crowdfunding days and so there are actually rules around a lot of these types of securities right and certainly some of them need to be refreshed and updated for this new technology but you know a reg d there are rules around how you can do a reg d and and, and for those that argue that a reg d should be open to more than just accredited investors and then there's reg a plus offerings and reg cf offerings that that a lot of companies have taken advantage of here in the united states to to raise compliance fundraises um and, and be able to target a, a larger non-accredited audience and so to me um certainly there seems to be a friction point uh, with STO adoption right now, that, that that regulation is a scary word, but the Reg A rules, Reg CF rules are very um, open 
and very founder friendly, if you will, startup friendly. So that uh, gives That's access right. to these small companies, gives them access to these private capital markets uh, so that they can grow their business or their company. So I, I do think, yeah, STOs are the default uh, model now. And it's just a matter of getting a, a bit more education out there so that there's a wider scale adoption um, across the board. Yeah. And on that education front, for, for those who aren't aware, can you, and I know they're, they're kind of confusing, so I don't, I don't mean to put you on the spot here, but the different uh, Jobs Act regulations that came out, because we're starting to see them with sites like Republic and yep. a handful of these other ones, you know, what, how do these work, right? Like, why yeah. are they important to the cryptocurrency community? Yeah, and I'll walk, I'll walk through them just, just quickly here. It's a bit of an alphabet soup, so, so you know, f- feel free to sure. rewind the podcast if you're listening a couple of times. <laughs> uh, um, so, so Regulation D is sort of the, the granddaddy of them all, and that just describes your standard, you know, you raise from accredited investors. Regulation S is a international version of that, where you can raise money from international investors, and typically you'll see a reg D and a reg S offering paired together. Um, so a lot of the current uh, security tokens that are out there today um, did their initial security token offering as a reg D reg S pairing. What the Jobs Act of 2012 introduced was a couple of new flavors, if you will, uh, of the capital raise. And one of them is called uh, Regulation CF, Regulation Crowdfunding, incidentally. And what it allows you to do is it allows you to raise up to a million dollars from non-accredited investors, um, regular people like you and me, just regular people off the street that, that want access to these types of opportunities. So the Reg CF model is interesting. Um, it allows you to raise um, one million, actually, 1.07 million to be exact. Alongside that, there's this thing called Regulation A plus, which allows you to raise up to 50 million, also from non-accredited investors. And so you've got these two flavors here that let you um, tap into you know the more retail investor audience. Uh, the distinction being, you know, obviously one is for 50 million, the other one's for one million in terms of your your total cap, and then then certainly cost structure. Right, it, it obviously costs more money to get the larger. Um, uh, reg A plus offering off the ground than the reg CF, but but those are the four main uh, flavors: reg D, reg S, reg A plus, and reg CF. So painting the picture here, and Tracy, I want to get your thoughts on this as well. But first, Juan, painting the picture, you know, we have the the Jobs Act that comes out, right? Security tokens. This new this new crowdfunding model starts to you know, legally, compliantly, grow in favor. Right. Security uh-huh. tokens start to really take off end of 2017, beginning of, of 2018. We have folks like yourself, like Polymath, like Harbor, like so many others. Right. T0, all these other folks who are interested in this. We, we seem to to have an ecosystem that is has grown. Right. But to me, at least, and it might be to, to some of our listeners, kind of the, the timeline or the roadmap for what is needed to take security tokens to the next level still seems unclear. So I'm, I'm sure there's many, but what do you see as the biggest thing holding back serious adoption of security tokens right now within the cryptocurrency community, outside of the cryptocurrency community? Yeah. For me, it's two things. One, obviously, further regula- regulatory clarity um, that, that always benefits benefits all the participants to just have more clarity on, on how to, how they can operate. And then the issue of custody, honestly, I think that that's something that that's still a little problematic across the board, not just you know within security tokens, but within the broader 
uh, broader cryptocurrency markets. So those are kind of the two big elements. I guess education, if I'm going to throw a third one in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Education's a limit. Right. Because um, it's still, you still need to be very um, uh, tech savvy, if you will, to really kind of start adopting this new uh, mechanism. Right, right. Tracy, what are you guys seeing? What do you guys see as the, the biggest thing right now holding security tokens back? Yeah, I think I think he hit it right on the head. The two ones that I was going to say were definitely clarity around regulation and custodial is a very big big portion of what's holding it back right now and just really you know having a global perspective on it because there are different jurisdictions that are giving some more clarity around it but really you know who's making the overarching global kind of push forward to it and so uh, i know for polymath like right now our our for sure what's holding us back is just not getting on mainnet as we're on testnet but overall i think um regulatory clarity is most important Gotcha. When is uh, mainnet expected for Polymath and what do you guys have coming the rest of this year? Yeah, mainnet for Polymath will be coming in the next few weeks, which is uh, very oh, nice. exciting. Yeah, but for the next in the next overall the rest of the year. So we are launching our first security token hopefully within the next month, which is Coral. It'll likely uh, be doing a big announcement at my conference, futuristconference.com. And what's going on uh, next week, we're at ST20. So we're creating a, a security token standard big thought leaders and really a big push is really getting on that mainnet. So we are on testnet right now and we'll be there in the next few weeks. Gotcha. Let me ask you this polymath. It's out there. It's, you know, it's a, it's a token that investors in the space can purchase right now. They can, they can contribute to the project through the, you know, through buying that token uh, on secondary exchanges. Do you guys have competitors? Polymath seems to be the standard, but are there people kind of biting at your heels like what what's uh competition look like for polymath yeah there's there's definitely you know a few competitors out there i think the space is big enough for for all of us what really differentiates that's very kind of you <laughs> <laughs> what's really that's my perspective i don't know if other people on the team think the same <laughs> this is Trey's perspective but uh yeah polymath the way we really differentiate in the sense that like a lot of the protocols are fi- very similar, but we build ours to be completely module. So we focus specifically on the issuers and the financial products um, and what they really care about. And so when we build out our product, it is very customizable. We build out different modules um, and we want to make sure that they can do it. So for example, maybe somebody wants to a dividend quarterly, maybe it's annually. And so making sure that uh, it is very customizable for them. The other big part about Polymath is the fact that we are completely open. Uh, so if a smart contract developer wants to come develop on the platform, they can do it. Um, and so I think it's really important to keep it open. It's not something that, you know, you have to know the right person to get on the platform. And uh, mm. of course, at the beginning, it's a bit more hand selected just to make sure we get the few right out the door. But after it really is anyone who wants to issue it will be able to do that. And uh, of course, they'll have to they'll have to have their own legal team. But we're here to keep right. it open for everybody. Nice. And I want to focus on the Polymath project here for for just a second. Sure. Take uh, we'll take a step back first, right? How was the Polymath raise? set up did you guys do it all privately was there a, a public uh, offering of any kind airdrops how, how did it work yeah so we did a private sale for poly tokens and these for were for individuals who wanted to use our platform and uh from there we did not do a public sale but we did do an airdrop which was widely successful nice i think yeah i don't know the exact amount but definitely think on forty thousand different people had airdropped which was wonderful it also able to build our community up great um and going back to your original question about will security tokens kind of eliminate airdrops i definitely don't think so i think airdrops are a great way to bring the community together a great way 
uh, to create campaigns around it. Um, and so we had really successful there. As of right now, like our contracts, they're, they are all getting audited. And so, um, yeah, our rate was good. It was all, it was all private selling. Gotcha. And I heard from, I can't for the life of me remember who it was, but uh, they'd been to a conference, something like that. You guys were there presenting basically the security token creation process that you yeah. all run. And they, it, it, it happened so quickly and so easily that they, they were like, almost like, Hmm, what's the catch? So <laughs> <laughs> tell me, how does, how does that creation process work? How long does it take? Tell me a little bit about that. For sure. So the creation process uh, is incredibly simple. You could actually do it right now on polymoth.network. And I encourage anyone listening to go and create your own security token right now. Um, so you could do it in about 10 minutes and it really is a step-by-step -step process where you input the necessary data and something that the token holders would need to know when they're purchasing or investing in your company. So things like uh, company name, how much money you're going to raise, uh, you know, where is your company domiciled or, you know, how often do you want to pay dividends, for example. Mm -hmm. So it's really focused on the questions that you need to answer. Uh, really, our mission is to make it very simple. Uh, so anyone on the front end doesn't need to know or understand how blocks are created. They don't need to understand how, you know, the network um, assesses consensus. So it's just made for non-technical people. And I think it's our CEO is very focused on doing that and making it you know, for the financial uh, market that isn't technical, which I think is really important right now, especially in the blockchain space, because unless you have a certain level of, unless you're, you're more technical, really right now in the space, it is intimidating. Uh, and so we try to do it and make it as simple as we can. Uh, that being said, you still have to have, like legal is always still a hurdle. So just because mm -hmm. you made your token doesn't mean you can actually go and do anything with it. You need to go speak to legal representation, that could take quite a few months. I think four to six is kind of what the current landscape is right now. But to actually create the financial security, you can do it on Polymath, I would say under 10 minutes. Under 10 minutes. So who's who's that designed for? Is that designed for kind of like your everyday person with a, a business idea? Or is that designed for, you know, a much larger company, both? I, I just, I'm, I can't imagine like a, a huge, uh, Fortune 500 company or, or a large company only spending eight, 10 minutes to create their security token. Absolutely not. Yeah, for sure. Well, right now it's there because it's the, the, the capabilities are there to do it quick and fast. If you were a Fortune 500 company, it'd be a lot different process. You'd bring lawyers on board, you bring your marketing team, you know, it would be a full, just like you were going to go out and do a, a, an IPO, for example, it would be a much longer right. process that you want to be strategic about. But the actual technology of itself is very quite fast in order to launch it. Of course, you're going to need to need partners. You're going to have to figure out what secondary exchanges it's going to be on. Like the actual process of setting up um, any type of, of security is going to take a while. But what Polymath focuses on the technology of it and the actual technology of co token creation does only take 10 minutes or under. Gotcha. Gotcha. Juan, I want to kick it back over to you to talk about uh, OFN here. So we, we saw today, I think it was, that a Swiss-based exchange is getting into the the cryptocurrency game right i think more will come nasdaq has obviously been you know somewhat um, pro cryptocurrency how is ofn differentiating itself or kind of protecting itself against these larger players who could come in with 
you know, many more resources, a larger team, uh, you know, uh, an established brand uh, against uh, a newer project. Yeah, and, and, and certainly, you know, the, the key item of distinction here, right, is that there, there are many financial markets out there, right? Similar to, you know, there's a NASDAQ, there's a CME, there's an ICE and OTC markets, right, that, that sell different instruments and, and, and have different uh, rules and protocols in place. And so, you know, so traditional cryptocurrency, you know, as, as defined by, you know, Bitcoin and Ethereum, that's a very different instrument, um, at least finan- financial instruments, than, um, than security tokens. Um, so that's certainly one element, right. you know, that, that we specialize in the security token space. And then more specifically, we specialize within the broader alternative asset marketplace. And so that's the $7.7 trillion market that consists of things like venture capital funds, hedge funds, private equity, crowdfunded instruments, other real estate mechanisms, limited partnerships. So so that's largely our bread and butter. That's what we're focused on. And within that space, uh, you know, we, we believe we're the best in that market. Um, so that, that that's how we that's how we, um, you know, compete in, based on specialization. So. Uh, but but at the same time, you know, we love hearing news like that, that large um, um, existing exchanges are adopting crypto and adopting blockchain technology, because that to us just continues to, you know, uh, validate the use case here, validate that this, this is, again, how things will be done in the next three years. Everyone will just be on this mechanism going forward. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely going to be interesting. I The, the joke we have uh, kind of each ICU alert team member to their family who, who doesn't get it, you know, they just think we're, you know, (laughs) speculating on Bitcoin or something. (laughs) The, the joke is that every day is a week and every week is a month. And, and a lot of that has to do with these large announcements where in the traditional space, that would be a, that'd be a huge boom, you know, something you'd see every month or every quarter, not, not, you know, something every other day or every week. So it'll be interesting for sure. Yeah, the space is it's yeah. moving very fast, but, but at the same time, you know, I think Tracy and I touched on this earlier. It's it's also moving very slow <laughs> in, in terms of certain elements. It's just a very interesting juxtaposition and a very exciting time in the market. Right. So let me ask you this, because it, it continues to still happen today. Exchanges are still getting hacked. You would think Mt. Gox happens, Bitfinex happens. Everyone kind of learns their lesson. What is the main reason that funds are being lost or stolen like what what are exchanges not doing and what is OFN doing to make sure that that doesn't happen yeah I mean certainly a lot of the existing custodial exchanges kind of have had you know history there's a lot of history of those custodial exchanges um, running into these problems I mean certainly there's different elements um, you know lack of security different protocols and mechanisms um, you know challenges in how they they do wallet integration for example and and that being a, a weak point of entry uh, that being said it should be noted that there are um, also several exchanges that, that you know to date have not been hacked and, and you can look at to them uh, for best practices and how they handle their custodial mechanisms uh, for us uh, initially we're actually a non-custodial. Uh, um, exchange platform, gotcha. and, and so so we're not um, we're not necessarily subject to to that you know the, the, those types of um, uh, mechanisms that might uh, come into play there. So so for us certainly as we look to the future and, and look towards how custodianship solutions evolve, we do think that there will be mechanisms there for investor protection. Um, you know, simple things like if you lose your keys, you're kind of SOL right now. 
that that's mm-hmm. not that doesn't really uh, um, create an environment that 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 the main street um, investor will want to participate in, right? That that level of uncertainty. So we do think as part of that, the custodianship solutions that evolve, we'll see um, um, better solutions put in place for investor protection. Gotcha. Yeah, and and sticking to that custodial line, you guys both brought it up. One, I want to start with you. Custody, I, you talk to folks in the cryptocurrency industry, outside of the cryptocurrency industry, it's one where people kind of, they kind of shrug. They, they don't know what's going to happen. It, is, is it a stalemate right now? Like what, what solutions are out there that are viable or are attempting to solve this problem? The current substitute, I guess, that everyone's using is basically self-custody, right? Everyone's holding their own tokens, their own keys. Um, certainly, I think that's well suited for certain retail investors, but but the larger institutional players don't, don't necessarily like that environment. So, um, you know, we're starting to see some innovative solutions come, come from, you know, folks like uh, uh, Bitco and, and Kingdom Trust. Um, and, and some other trust companies and banks are starting to step into this space and, and, and trying to provide solutions. So to me, you know, again, you know, a week is a, a day is a week in this space. I think we'll see some viable mechanisms come forward soon. And, and what I think will be even more interesting is that there won't necessarily just be a one-size-fits-all type approach. I do think there will be a couple of different viable um, options um, on the table. Um, some of them, you know, running a range from self-custody, cold storage, and, and other types of mechanisms. Gotcha. Tracy, we we saw an announcement finally, or at least a launch from uh, Coinbase in their custody program. Have you guys spoken with them at all? Like, what what's that program looking like? And could Coinbase be a solution for this custody problem? Ooh, that's a great question. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know if I'd be the right person to answer that question on our team. But definitely, I think, you know, if Coinbase is doing it, they're a leader in the space. Quite a few people will follow. I think... I think with security tokens, though, it, it is a bit different in the sense, for example, if someone steals your Apple stock, you know, they shouldn't get paid dividends next quarter on your Apple stock. And that really comes down to, you know, ensuring KYC is there and maybe add an identity to it. So I think I think it's a problem that will truthfully get solved. It reminds me again, back in the day when people had all these different concerns about cryptocurrency and fast forward to today, they've all been they've all been solved, all these mm. basic issues. And so. Um, third party companies will come in, uh, Coinbase, what they're doing is great. And, and I can't really speak to what Polymath doing with Coinbase. Sure. Yeah. No, uh, well, maybe we'll see an announcement down the road. <laughs> you never know. Right. Yeah. Cool. Well, the, the, the final point then, uh, that I wanted some kind of some perspective on from the both of you, uh, alongside custody, you guys mentioned kind of this regulatory uncertainty, right? What, what is it that needs to happen, right? If I'm a... If I'm a retail investor and there's a certain piece of news, either on the custody front or the, the regulatory front, what, what is it that would be a huge value add, a huge bombshell for the STO market? Yeah, I'll, I'll jump. I mean, it, it's, it is, honestly, it's, it's a tough question because it's, it's almost, um, you know, we know what we don't know, if you will, but there's, there's a lot of unknowns, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of unknowns so that, that we still just haven't these 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 areas just haven't been touched on yet which to me is very exciting you know we were just in our lawyer's office the other day just kind of running through a couple different scenarios of of securities law that that quite frankly just never accounted for this type of technology that allowed for this just you know this freedom and this interoperability of data and information you know it's that true you know democratization of finance that that you know 
overused term, but, but, you know, we're kind of there now where, and it creates these interesting conundrums within securities laws that just couldn't, just could not conceptualize this type of, uh, um, you know, mechanism occurring. So, so, you know, back to the question, it, it's really just, honestly, it's just going to have to be just uh, the clarity and, and then providing examples specific to, you know, certain use cases. So like, you know, how do you do, you know, certain offering aspects entirely on chain, right? You know, right. Polymath, you, you know, you guys use an ICO and I, I think there was someone else who's, who's working on kind of rethinking the, sorry, the, the airdrop process, you know, re- rethinking the airdrop process and making it fully compliant to today's securities laws. You know, I think getting a ruling on that, for example, you know, something very specific like that, but doing that multiple times across, you know, all these different mechanisms and these different innovative aspects that people are working on today. I think that that'll be the thing that that could kind of, you know, that that series of events could be something that could really move the industry forward in a significant way. Gotcha. Fantastic. Well, this has been great. I know you both are super busy, so I don't want to hold you for too long here, Uh, but Wanda Start. Folks want to check out uh, OFN. What's the best way to do so, and what's the best way to get a hold of you or the team with questions, concerns, whatever? Yep. Yes. So they can go to openfinance.io. Uh, that's our main domain, um, and there they can start signing up and start um, um, completing their investor passport, uh, which is effectively a single sign-on mechanism um, across our network. So you know we're accepting applications from from. Um, Everyday retail investors, you know, you don't have to be accredited. We also have listings for non-accredited investors to participate in as well. Um, and, and so they're just kind of following that easy to um, easy to use process to get onboarded. We have live chat. We're active on Telegram. Um, so, so certainly there's a lot of mechanisms to get a hold of us um, once you're on the platform. Gotcha. And uh, what about you guys, Tracy? Yeah, I would say best place is to go to polymath.network. Uh, go on our website, try and uh, do our wizard and see if you can build your own uh, security token. The best way too is nice. Telegram. We have a really active group on Telegram. You can message us there and our admins is there, as well as the upcoming conference I'm running. So the whole Polymath team will be there. They're a big platinum sponsor. Trevor will be on stage and we'll have Coral, one of our first issuers on stage, as well as bringing all of our partners there. And so futuristconference.com. I believe I made a promo code, ICO alert 50, 50% off if you guys want tickets there. Awesome. Yeah. Nice. Um, and come check us out because uh, a lot will be shaped around security tokens. My goodness, we've got to get on your island conference schedule for sure because yeah. <laughs> the totally. you guys are, are living it up down down there. That's uh, that's awesome. So, yeah, really really appreciate the time. Uh, wish both of you the best of luck. Everybody out there listening, stay tuned. Uh, two super interesting projects within you know this brand new burgeoning ecosystem. ICO Alert maintains the only trusted comprehensive list of pre-ICOs and initial coin offerings. This Pittsburgh-based startup has grown to serve over 1 million users in less than a year. But how did it get started? Well, at first, the company was just an online tool for two brothers, Mike and Rob Finch, to 
keep a calendar of their favorite ICOs. After just a few months, the team has grown to over 14 team members and produced hundreds of ICO reports. These in-depth reports feature exclusive interviews and offer insight into past, active, and future ICOs. Head on over to ICOalert.com, meet the team, and use their game-changing My Portfolio function. Track your favorite blockchain projects. Become your own venture capitalist only at ICOalert.com. Thank you.